On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Tyler Baker from Goodbye June, and you are listening to The Hook Rocks with my man, Jay Scott. Turn it up. Good evening, everybody. What's going on? What's shaking? It's Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe, staying healthy. I say the same thing before or as we start every show, and I truly mean it. It's a stressful time out there. The election is still going on. Uh, a week later, we're still trying to figure out, although it looks like it's officially been called for one candidate, depending on what side you fall on, you're happy or you're angry. Doesn't matter. We're talking music and we're providing an escape for you, and that's what we do here. So I hope you've been enjoying this all throughout COVID, all throughout the election cycle, and we're going to continue to do that as we welcome in from California. The guest tonight is Ace Von Johnson from L.A. Guns, Faster Pussycat, and his new, well, not new project, but the new project has a new release coming out, and that is Neon Coven. What's going on, Ace? How you doing? Hey, Jay. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well, man. Thank uh, you for doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Neon Coven record's been out now, I think, about 10 days. So it's uh, available, uh, future postponed. I think it, the release date was the October 30th. So that's uh, available on all streaming platforms across the board. And physical uh, albums are, we're actually waiting on those. I think they're like backed up. We had album uh, records printed. Uh, and I think CDs are also on the way too, so I don't know what's going on. I just I just work here, but needless to say, the record's out. If you got Spotify or Apple Music or Amazon or whatever the heck the kids are using these days, that Neon Coven record's out now. Yeah, yeah, I was curious about that because I'm a huge CD guy, and I was hoping that you guys would put out that physical format with a CD so I could listen to it. Yeah, somebody somebody in the somebody above me, if you will, decided to we should do cassettes for nostalgic factor. And I thought that was uh, silly, but we did them nonetheless. And then everyone was like, well, what about CDs? And then the guys, everyone's defense that, you know, was like, well, if you get it digitally, you can just burn it to a CD. And I said, it's not the same thing. So I think that was the next, we sort of put the cart before the horse on that one. I think we should have done CDs first uh, and then vinyl and then cassettes instead of cassettes and then vinyl, which is backed up and then CDs. But 
again, I'm just part of a five-man team here. So like most of the fans, I mean, none of the decisions were solely up to me. Otherwise, we would have definitely had CDs out uh, a couple weeks ago. But I- I'm sure that'll be the next thing to, to, to get printed, you know. But again, it's like a, it's a niche band. So it's not like there's some huge, even though, you know, there's probably a good hundred people that want a CD or whatever you want to call it. It's not. You know, we're not, we're not the next, uh, we're not, you know, Warrant or Metallica or Black Veil Brides where it's like, oh, this constitutes, you know, shelling out how much money to print a thousand of this on this format. You know, it's all got to be done individually by us because we're sort of, you know, we're an, an, an indie band. So, you know, one thing at a time, everybody, one thing at a time, we'll get there. Yeah, I I still have trouble understanding the whole throwback to cassettes. Because, I mean, how many people still have a cassette player where they can play it? Or well, a retro stereo? Yeah, I, 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 I agree. We actually did, uh, through Indiegogo, we offered a campaign tier where you could get the cassette and it came with a little Walkman that was also like a, a boombox. Like it would play without the headphones. Um, and so... Uh, so yeah, so for I can't remember how much it was. It was like you know fifteen dollars for the cassette or like thirty dollars for the cassette with like a Walkman. Yeah, it's interesting, you know. I mean, it's you know everything does cycle back, right? I mean, it, it always you know comes back whether it's a fashion trend or something that you know was used years ago. It, it does have a chance, you know, always has that opportunity to come back, and people find that retro attraction to it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of like, uh, you know, what ends up happening nowadays. Yeah. I feel like. Whenever I explain Neon Coven to my friends who are like, oh, what do they sound like? I say, picture a John Hughes movie, but instead of John Hughes directing like Breakfast Club, it's David Fincher. And yeah, it's more. It's a little darker. It's got the. It's a very interesting sound, and it's it's so fresh, in that it's got that element of you know new wave punk and rock and roll. It's really really cool. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, that was the whole thing is we were trying to go for like a uh, sort of like a retro uh, mix them up, if you will, of everything. Like you know, part Depeche Mode, but part you know. I don't even know, you know, I mean, the the thing really stems from everybody bringing in their own sort of uh, unique influences, but then agreeing that we wanted to do like, what would typo negative and, uh, you know, I'm trying to think here, uh, Kajagoogoo sound like if they were in a blender, you know, so, um, you know, and there's different elements. Like each song was sort of written in a direction. And I think a lot of bands do this where we're like, okay, that's the ministry song. That's the Depeche Mode song. That's the Rob Zombie song. That's the typo negative song. That's the, that's the this, that's the that, you know? And so, uh, you know, I think it's interesting that that was sort of the way it ended up being as a finished product. I think the first two EPs we did were a little more, uh, weren't as, uh, uh, maybe eclectic or diverse, but that's we were still trying to figure out, you know, where we were coming from as a band, and and a lot of it was basically just the singer uh, Anthony and then Jacob Bunton um, from Lineham and Adler, and who's uh, sang on the upcoming Mick Mars solo record, uh, et cetera. Um, what 
the two of them kind of came up with. And then I would just kind of come in and put, put down a few guitar parts here or there. But with the full length album, it was definitely a, a collective effort where everybody, I think I brought in three songs, the drummer brought in two songs, my singer brought in four songs, you know, it was like that kind of thing. So it was definitely a, a, a group effort. We got and, last, uh, yeah, we got last to get to with, with that record because I've been listening yeah. to it over, you know, probably over the last week of, and, and there were some songs obviously released prior to that, like Blame It on the Drugs. And, you know, one of my favorites on the song right now is, is, or on the album is Every Part of Me, which is a really cool track. Um, yeah. But we always start the same way, Ace, and that is the essence of the show. We always ask the same first question to a first time guest, and that is just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in. Every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. I think um, it's hard to say. I think I remember being a, a really little boy, like five, and hearing uh, people are strange by the doors and also probably in the same, you know, width of time, uh, Hotel California from the Eagles, which are still two of my favorite songs of all time. And it's interesting because they both kind of are, you know, they're both in a minor key and they both sort of tackle dark subject matter. And I always, as a, as a kid, was drawn to, you know, scary movies and Halloween, and, and I still am as an adult. And so those are my kind of earliest sort of memories of being like, what is this that I'm hearing and, and how do I hear more of it? You know? It's interesting because I follow you on Twitter and I know you're a horror movie fan. How much yeah. does that influence your playing in terms of just the, the vibe? Well, that you're trying I mean... To it doesn't really influence my, my playing in the sense that um, if, you know, if I was a guy that was in like a Wednesday 13 or a Rob Zombie type band at night, but uh, you know, it's more of, you know, how much of it can I bring to my aesthetic approach? You know, like uh, it's common to see me on stage wearing a, like a creature from the black lagoon shirt or something like that. But uh or, you know, I have an affinity for Ouija boards, so I have a handmade uh, wood-burned uh, Ouija board, Les Paul. And so stuff like that, but, you know, that's kind of the extent of it. You know, I, I think I think Neon Coven was my opportunity to be like, okay, now I'm in a spooky band, you know? Um, one of the songs that just got issued as a single is uh, Dead to Me, and even though it's not, you know, it's more of like a, talking about a person being dead to you, still sort of slightly spooky in subject matter. I mean, that's like, uh, that's one of my uh, uh, writing contributions to the record. And so, you know, it just depends. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, if yeah. it was up to me, they'd all be spooky. Right, right. Well, you mentioned, you know, being attracted to People Are Strange, Hotel California, they have that dark subject matter. You know, when you watch horror movies, they do have a, you know, a, a musical element that kind of sets the scene and what's going on and, and the tension that you're feeling. And sometimes that tension can come across and, you know, what you're watching sometimes affects what you play, right? I mean, 
You know, I mean, you, you, yeah. it affects your attitude. And, and, and being a fan of that genre, which is a very unique genre, it's not like any other, you know, action movies are are what they are. And horror movies are a little different in how they're, how the story's told and how, you know, the tension has to build to get the payoff in a scene. And being attracted to those darker songs like you were when you were younger, you know, I would, I yeah. would think at some point it, it's, it's got to be an element somewhere in, in your influence. Yeah, I mean, okay. Uh, one of the last things I just did was uh, actually just co-wrote and recorded a, a hip-hop song with a, a, an artist named Dane Alexander, and they released it on Halloween. And so they had this, uh, and it, my involvement came via my singer, Anthony from Neon Coven. And he said, Hey, I'm sort of co-producing this, some tracks with this guy. And he wants to do a dark sort of heavy, uh, uh, you know, song. We're going to release it on Halloween. It's kind of got a spooky vibe, et cetera, et cetera. And he had sent me this sort of, uh, track that he had built in the background, if you will. It was almost just like sort of spooky ambient. Like it sounded like, uh, you know, if you were in an abandoned, uh, you know, uh, scrapyard or something, just sounded like metal scraping against each other and weird stuff. And he said, and then, you know, here's the, 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 you know, the tempo and the BPM and, and, and just basically the, the arrangement. And can you come up with some spooky sort of heavy guitar parts for it? And I said, yeah, sure. And so, I mean, I guess in a sense like that, you know, I mean, um, you know, I basically just go, you know, well, what would, you know, well, you got to go back and look at the uh, the template, you know, like, well, what would Black Sabbath do? What would Ozzy do? What would Rob Zombie or Danzig do? And so I basically, some of the rips in there are uh, what I would say are spooky metal sort of sounding. And they're reminiscent of uh, of uh, John Christ, uh, who's the first guitar player from uh, those first four Danzig albums, you know, Twisted Cane and Mother and Dirty Black Summer and all that stuff. And a lot of that stuff is all just sort of uh, blues based so again it all just kind of goes back to that like minor spooky blues based you know uh, template and, and then kind of pulling from that um, so you know but I, I don't know I, I don't I don't sell them or excuse me I sell them and watching a horror movie or something like that and, and, and actually trying to apply it to to my music it's usually sort of the two aren't um, exactly synonymous although they do make up a big portion of my life um, but you know, we'll see. I mean, I'm sure with me on Coven now, I'm sure it'll get integrated a bit more. You know, the whole spooky aesthetic, etc. Who were some of your earlier influences on guitar? Uh, you know, it's interesting because a lot of people that were or are an influence, it didn't occur to me until much later. Um, I admittedly most of my music stems from uh, some neighborhood kid in, when I was like in, I don't know, God, third grade, giving me the Black Album on cassette. Uh, and so this would have been like 92, 93. So it was probably nine or 10. And then doing the whole, uh, you know, there's a band, obviously, everyone's heard of called The Clash. And I, I heard from Joe Strummer from The Clash as a teenager. He said, always listen to your favorite bands favorite bands and so i inadvertently applied that and uh i remember uh discovering the misfits and the dead kennedys and all these things through metallica and then having an older sister 
So I kind of gravitated towards a lot of stuff that you would imagine, like circa early nineties. I kind of missed, I missed the guns and roses and rats and LA guns and, uh, whatever else era by about two years. So my first stuff was like Bush and green day and Metallica and, uh, stone temple pilots. So whatever was big in like 94 to 96. Right. But as far as guitar players go, uh, Kirk Hammett, um, definitely, um, Johnny Thunders. I've always been a big Johnny Thunders fan. I got turned on to the New York Dolls when I was pretty young. And then his LAMF record has been pretty influential for me. I actually recorded one of the songs from LAMF uh, uh, recently for the fourth time uh, with uh, Faster Pussycat. Um, and so hopefully that'll get released here soon. And, uh, my God, I don't even know. Um, Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy. Um the uh i'm trying to think who you know early on you know like a lot of punk rock guys like uh captain sensible from the damned you know and uh doyle from the misfits and uh lars uh, frederickson from rancid and stuff like that you know but but then also um dean DeLeo from stone Temple pilots and and joe walsh from james gang and the eagles and kind of all over the place you know and so just Whatever I was listening to, I would kind of pick up a little bit from. And, and I go through a lot of phases, too, where there'll be periods of time where all I listen to is, you know, like uh, pre-1978 country, you know, or all I'm listening to, like lately all I've been listening to is a lot of um, neoclassical dark wave. It's basically just like spooky operatic uh, classical music. Um and then, uh, and then I'm a sort of avid record collector. And so I'll go back and I've been buying a lot of stuff that I listened to as a teenager, which is mostly punk rock. So I'm like rediscovering bands that I haven't listened to since in 20 years. Um, and then going like, oh, wow, I didn't realize like a perfect example is a, a sort of obscure punk band from the UK called Peter and the Test Tube Babies. And, uh, and I bought like the greatest hits from them, like maybe two years ago. And I was listening to some of the songs and I was like, man, I, I didn't realize how many of these songs I inadvertently ripped off in my early bands, you know, my early writing process. And then, you know, when I was 16, 17, you know, 20, uh, and then now listening to in my late thirties going, Oh wow, this really uh, must've influenced me. I can still remember how these songs go and how to play them on guitar, et cetera. It's interesting too, you know, when you're going through your journey as a musician and you're evolving and, you know, you, you mentioned going back and revisiting those records and it's also about timing, right? I mean, there might be some songs that maybe didn't connect with you when you first heard it, but you go back after you've experienced life for a little bit, you experienced certain things, and you go back and you have a whole new way of listening to it, and it hits you like it didn't before. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's sort of the magic of music, too. You know, a lot of this stuff circles back, and there's some, I can't remember who or where the, it came from, but it's that whole... Uh, you know, uh, the music you discover as a, as a young, young adult, I was going to say young man, as a young person, uh, whether, you know, whatever your gender is, uh, usually tends to be the music you gravitate to for the rest of your life. Um, even if you do step away from it for a long time or, or whatever else, I mean, it's, that's one of the great things about music, whether it's, you know, any kind of genre is that the ability for that music to take you someplace whether it's emotionally or, or memory or it reminds you of or you know good bad happy sad whatever it is um 
you know, and, and, and I love that. And at the end of the day, regardless of whatever band I, you know, whatever it is, uh, maybe in my own career or, you know, uh, in my peripheral, uh, I'm still very much a fan, you know, and I still sometimes even find myself, uh, being sort of, um, not starstruck as an overstatement, but like, uh, oh, uh, I'm like, you know, hesitant to mention people by name. Like, uh, uh, I bought a book on a band that I've loved since I was 13. And then the bass player, who's the only, one of the only original members now, uh, is now an acquaintance. And I posted that I bought this book and he wrote me, sent me a message and he's like, Oh man, like I'm embarrassed that you're reading that. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm such a fan. And we had this little banter about, you know, how our, our COVID world is going and whatnot. And then I, you know, walked away from that conversation. I was like, Oh, I just had a conversation with my buddy. Who's also the guy in this band of this, that I love whose book I'm reading, you know, just those for me personally, as a, as an, as a musician, working artist, whatever you want to call it, those moments to me are, are priceless, you know, or, or having the guitar player from the misfits text me and be like, Hey bro, I was thinking about you. It's your birthday. I just want to say hi and tell you thinking about you and happy birthday. Love you, bro. It's like, yeah, have a great week too, childhood idol. You know what I mean? Like, That's awesome. So, so a lot of those moments are for me, like where all this sort of, uh, I feel like the crescendo of, uh, of all this is for me. It's like, I went from being this fan to where now a lot of the people that I still listen to on a regular basis are now just maybe not peers. That might be an overstatement, but still like they're uh, buddies or, or acquaintances or, you know, it, you know, it's that whole, you know, you get to work alongside your heroes kind of thing or be on stage. You know, hell, I've been on stage with most of my, not all, but a lot of people, you know, whether it's uh, members of the Alice Cooper band or the guy from Danzig or the guy from the Misfits or whatever, I'm name dropping out, but like whatever it is, you know, I've, I've, I've sort of shipped all, uh, crossed all these uh, highlights off of my, uh, you know, goals that I, I feel like my 17 year old self would literally be like, no, you're lying to me. That that's not going to happen. And then there's been interest, other weird, you know, I, I, it's, it's, it got pushed back because of, uh, because of COVID, but I played on the new Tiffany album. I did what's supposed to be one of the singles for her next record. Whenever that she decides to release it, you know, and I have an older sister and I told my sister, I'm like, Oh, I'm working with Tiffany right now. And she's like, shut up, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, there's these little, you know, interesting bullet points that have come up over the years that, uh, like any, anyone in any career, whether you're a meter maid or you're managing the uh, Kinko's copies, whatever it is, you don't just wake up one day and you're in charge. You don't just wake up one day and you're in Metallica. It's a pro it's, trust me, especially in my life and my field, it's a slow, arduous process. But, uh, you know, I, it, a lot of it, when I look like when I'm asked, to write a pair of like if you could you know if it's like i'm submitting for a uh endorsement and i need to write about myself in the third person which is obnoxious as hell and then uh you know summarize my career in 20 sentences or less i look at it and go oh that's God, well you re recorded with michael jackson uh this that the uh, la guns uh you know writing for the upcoming 69 eyes album guy okay or we're putting out a single with them or this or the neon coven thing or whether it's pussycat or playing in the u.s bombs or playing in 
Murphy's Law from New York City. And I mean, there's a million other things I can't even remember. And and I'm like, oh, it looks that looks that looks like a tasty resume, you know. So it's it's been interesting. I know I got way off topic here, but it's been a bit. And I obviously with the way the world is now, I do kind of feel like I'm mourning my career. You know, I'm looking back on man, I haven't been on tour in a year. It's the longest I've gone without doing my job and since I was 20 you know since I just the month I turned 20 so 17 years is like a weird new phase for me so uh you know I'm trying to figure out what what comes next you know and 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 sort of look back and reflect and be like all right I did what I set out to accomplish and if 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 you know the world ends tomorrow am I happy with the results and over then you know yeah when you you just mentioned all the things that you're involved with, there's probably tons more. When you're doing all these projects, you know whether it's Neon Coven, LA Guns, Faster Pussycats, session work. There's a lot of different personalities involved, right? I mean, it's it's you know not no one person is is the same as the other. And when you're coming in and you're doing this, how do you navigate through these different personalities? Well. You mean with like the, the different people I'm working with? Yeah. I mean, it's like dating. It's really, that's what I've always compared it to when you're in a band, when you're in like a real band, I'm not talking like, you know, the cover band we're going to play once every six months. I mean, like when you're in a functioning group that you have to travel with these people for weeks or months at a time, or, you know, you're in close quarters, you're sharing a hotel room, you're sharing a van, you're sharing a bus, you're sharing a, a, an aisle on a plane, you know, five times a week or weekend or whatever it is. Uh, it, it's, it, you're in a sense, the easiest comparison at least is, is it's like being in a relationship, your date. I mean, you literally are in a relationship, but it's like dating these people. You got to like, Oh, it's today. Mark is in a bad mood. So everybody just, you know, like, or, you know, this guy's going to be volatile until he gets, you know, whatever his, you know, until he gets his drink or his drug or whatever it is, you know? And so you learn to adapt to these personality types and what is, uh, what, you know, what, you know, like if you got to bring that guy a coffee to have a good show, it's probably in your best interest to bring him a coffee, you know, or whatever it is. And so, and a lot of it's, you know, like I've been in bands with guys I do not like at all or didn't like at all in the band. It just was, it's like when you have a job, you go, you're like, Oh man, Jessica and HR department is a bitch, but you still got to show up and do your job. So a lot of it is just, you know, you just make do. And uh, I guess that's kind of the easiest way to compare it. But for the most part, I mean, most of the people I work with, um, you know, you want to be there or they want to be there. And you, you even if they've got a quirky personality or a, a nervous twitch or whatever the hell it may be, you still, you know, you, you adapt and you, you learn to deal with them. You know, most people, I mean, I could tell you, off the record, plenty of people that were a fucking nightmare on written law, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, overall, most of the people, uh, you know, like, uh, and it's interesting how people get a reputation versus what it's like to actually work with those people, you know? Yeah. I imagine, um, you know, I mean, you know, I, I've, it's the same thing like in, in the corporate world, you know, where, where I kind of come from, you know, you, you deal with people, you know, you know how to handle people. You stay away from certain people unless you have to deal with them. Um, you know, and and it's also, 
you know, it, it, like you said, you got to adapt. You can't just, you know, if you don't like someone and you got to deal with them, you can't just, you know, ignore them. You have to do it. And it's just interesting because, you know, I, I, I've talked to a lot of musicians, whether it's you or whether it's, you know, Rudy Sarzo or, you know, Joel Hoekstra, you know, who's, you know, been in different bands and dealt with different personalities. You know, sometimes you're dealing with these humongous egos and then sometimes you're dealing with just a guy you know who's a salt of the earth type of guy you know and 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 it's just you know weaving your way through and also i imagine you've got to have your own deal too right i mean you mentioned the close quarters that you're traveling with somebody you know whether it's a hotel room or whether it's a bus or whatever it is you know i imagine that there's also times where you just need to like be by yourself and just you know, go do your own thing to get away from everybody. And that's got to be important too for not just the band, but for your mental health as well. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I, you know, anyone that's ever toured with me, will tell you, I mean, I, I pretty much keep to myself most of the time. I mean, I, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not the most sociable person, you know? And, uh, so going to, you know, obviously pre COVID, et cetera, uh, going to the merch table for an hour after a show and coupled with a meet and greet and coupled with, uh, you know, a dinner with a friend in town and, you know, just the daily uh, rigors that come along with, you know, working with people and touring, whatever. After all that, like I'm done, I'm, t- I'm tired, you know, like, I'm like, okay, that's, you know, X amount of hours of interacting with that's enough, you know, as I say, that's enough people for today, you know? And, uh, and I go to my bunk and I read a book or I, you know, I, I throw myself into other projects. If I'm, I spend a lot of time when I'm traveling because there's so much downtime, uh, 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 you know, enough to make a person lose their mind, if you will. Um, at times, uh, I, I do as much sort of, you know, networking for dogs or, or, you know, just, you know, whether I'm reading or on Wikipedia or, you know, or, or now in the last year, I've been focused a lot on, running my, I've got a Patreon page with about 65 people that I, I, I deal with and, and sort of, uh, try to, you know, keep that entertaining and, and going on. And so, you know, there's always something going on, but, uh, I, I do try to keep, um, to myself, you know, like I, 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 I nest in my bunk and, uh, with my headphones on and I, and I get to work and do whatever, whatever else. Cause you know, outside of let's say the meet and greet and running into a friend or having dinner with a, family member or whatever outside of the show you know let's just call it 75 minutes and then maybe an hour uh at the merch table and then you know getting ready and decompressing from let's call that about three or four hours outside of that that still holds 18 to 20 hours out of the day you know so i'm just constantly trying to figure out what to do with myself and keep busy and and uh and productive and and, and not just sit there and you know, uh, you know, and I got a lot of guys that I'm friends with or worked with that are like, oh, they're going to go to the bar, or they're going to go hook up with a girl or whatever, and that that works for them. But for me, it's like, what can I do that's proactive and stay busy? You know, whether it's uh, like I said, like a something dog rescue related, or trying to you know book a studio to do a voiceover job, or or you know figure out what my next you know, well, I'm going to be home in ten days, so I got to figure out what I'm doing on on day eleven. You know. The the dog rescue, you know, organization that you that you you know promote, you know, is very important to you. I mean, you post a lot about it on your social media. You know, I know you've got a rescue dog as well. I mean, I know you you focus on you know the the pit bull breed. How did that all? How did that connection you know come about? 
Well, that's a good question. Um, well, you know, it really started with just having a dog. I think it, it a rescue dog it is. And, and, and just to clarify, I don't actually have a, 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 my own organization. I think there's maybe some occasionally people will ask me about that. I, I'm just sort of a, an advocate. And there are a few organizations that, um, that I've worked with or alongside or promoted or uh, done some appearance. I actually just got asked. Uh, if I would do a streaming event for a, uh, an animal rescue organization that I'm a big fan of as well. So I'm trying to be involved as much as possible, but you know, I, I you know, I do live in a one bedroom apartment in the middle of Hollywood. It'd, it'd be very difficult to have any sort of actual rescue here. Um, aside from having a dog or maybe two, but, um, ideally at some point I would love that, you know, later in life, but that's again, neither here nor there, but it, it came about just having a pit bull and, um, and sort of recognizing how maligned they are by the media and, you know, and just, you know, I've had people look at me and my dog and, and arguably, uh, I'm sure a lot of people would attest to this. Uh, you'll never meet a, you'll never meet a nicer dog. And so, uh, and so, uh, you know, people look at us and, and cross the street, you know, so I, a lot of it came from kind of being, you know, you've got this, your, your, your pet and people are looking at you like you're a leper. And so, um, for me, that's kind of where it started alongside doing some, um, moderate, uh, I don't know what you'd want to call it, uh, charitable work as a young man. Uh, my mother, uh, built a, uh, I don't know how to word it, uh, started volunteering at a shelter in San Diego, which is where I did high school. And, uh, and then I started volunteering her, there with her as well. It was called the North County Interfaith Community Center. And then our family rebuilt the, uh, the pantry and they renamed it after my grandmother. So there's a, a this pantry there called Julia's Pantry. And I would go there on weekends with my mom when I was 17, 18, 19, and pack, you know, assorted items for people. And they'd come in and say they have a caseworker and it's a family of five or one guy or one woman or a teenager. And we would give them whatever, you know, they're allergic to fish, so they can't have tuna or they only eat vegetables. So we pack that or, you know, whatever it was. And so I think that's where that kind of started for me just as a person. But, you know, like I said, I'm not really a people person. So, uh, um, now that I'm an adult and can choose, take and choose my own battles, uh, you know, I've sort of chosen to focus on rescue animals, specifically rescue dogs. And then even more specifically, the pit bull types, you know, cause uh, again, they get, they get sort of, uh, labeled, uh, as these terrible dogs. And, you know, for every, what is it? For everything you read about in the news, there's, Seven million of them that were just someone's pet. You know what I mean? So um, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work for me. You know, so I sort of made it my one of my goals to sort of stand up for for these types of dogs and be an advocate. Anyhow, that was a very long winded answer to that question, but no, it was it was great. I mean, I, I've got uh, I've got a Bernice Mountain Dog, and he's about 110 yeah. pounds. He's a big boy. Yeah, that's a that's a big dog. Yeah, yeah. He's like a big teddy bear. Doesn't have a mean bone in his body. So my ex-wife and her husband um, had 
just got a rescue pit. This was not this previous summer, but the summer before. And they were leaving town. They got this 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 puppy, rescue pit bull puppy, and they were leaving town and like, can you take care of him? I'm like, are you freaking serious? It's a puppy. I'm like, and I got, so I ended up with this dog for two weeks. I ended up training this dog and yeah. just a delight. The dog was the sweetest dog ever. And now every time I go over there, he jumps on me. He's looking my face, you know? So he looks, he like, I'm like the long lost relative that taught him everything he knew and he couldn't be a sweeter yeah. dog. He's awesome. Well, that's encouraging to hear. I mean, they are really, um, sweet natured dogs. I mean, the thing is, is also, you know, when you say pit bull, there's so many different breeds to be specific that constitute, uh, pit bull types. It's, it's, I, I, I argue with people all the time. They go, well, saying it's a pit bull is like saying you're, I'm from Europe. Well, what part? Denmark, France, Ireland, you know, like where? And so, uh, so yeah, so they're, the, the, one of the reasons that the pit bull types, most of them, and it comes from the terrier side of it, is, is one of the reasons they were bred in mass so much is because they're such good family dogs. They're the the whole uh, rumor or whatever you want to call it, the, the urban myth that they were nanny dogs, is actually false. Um, it's I, like because I'm such a you know trying to know everything about it before I get into a argument with someone or whatever a conversation i like to have all my pieces uh of information and so the whole nanny thing has been debunked but uh they arguably are great with children you know it's the it's the ones that you know have are abused or aren't socialized or aren't you know brought around people or or, are starved or are harmed are are the cases that you know when you hear about anything like that happening and and the same thing with the, the, the people saying they have like a locking jaw. That's scientifically false. Uh, I'm sure your dog, just by his size, has a greater PSI in his jaw uh, than, than any pit bull would just because you know, size is size. So it's just these weird urban legends that people create. And it's unfortunate when you see in the news, it's like pit bull bites neighbor kid. And it's like, and then half the time, I, because I, again, with my research, half the time there's no photo of the dog. They just use it as like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, like a like stock a photo. Like, yeah, but like even using the term pit bull, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it's going to get more traction in the news if you put pit bull than if you put like, well, it was actually a Boston Terrier. You know what I mean? So, but anyhow, that's, that's kind of my stance on the whole thing. And for the most part, most people have been pretty, pretty great it's not like people are are harassing me about my support of dogs although i have been through that myself as well uh because as we both know people out there can be crazy but um you know it's just one of those things that i just want to you know there's more to life than sex drugs and rock and roll and uh as i get less rock and roll in my life and, and i grow older and you know different things become more important i just i associated with a lot of my free time with trying to help you know, raise awareness for these types of dogs and just rescue, rescue dogs in general. You know, I mean, especially with COVID, I was going around telling people, I'm like, man, if you're going to be sitting at home for the next indefinite future, why don't you go get a freaking dog? <laughs> you know, I would have lost my mind here at home just sitting around if I didn't have a dog and I'd take her hiking. And 100%. Yeah. 100%. Every day. And like, yeah. I, I agree. Cause yeah. without my dog during this thing, I don't know where I'd be. You know, I mean, 
he doesn't know what's going on in the real world. And he's just a happy dog that he's happy to see you and just wants to lay next to you and, and give him all the attention. And it's been like, you just said, you know, you're sitting around doing nothing. You know, if you're, if you're feeling down, there's nothing better than, than getting a dog or a, or a pet of any, you know, of any sort. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there's a reason why they call a man's best friend. I mean, mm-hmm. literally ingrained in their DNA after hundreds of thousands of years um, of us uh, domesticating these dogs, you know, and that's why a lot of it is frustrating when we just sort of throw, pardon the pun, throw them to the wolves, uh, you know, because these, these dogs, whether it's not just pit bulls, but all of them, you know, they've been domesticated to become dependent on, on, on humans, you know. A lot of cats can still be... Uh, you'll you know you'll see feral cats all over the place, but you, you're like very less likely to see feral dogs, you know. And so, and you know, with the dog fighting issue, which is a whole sort of pardon the pun, but pandemic unto itself, and you know all these things. I mean, we can get off this topic here too, but it's just you know it's one of those things that besides like all the fun, like oh I like horror movies and rock and roll, like it's like very it's important to me, and that's what I. uh Try to spend as much time, whether, you know, I've got an Instagram page that I share dogs all over the country that needs networking because a lot of it just simply boils down to social media networking. You'll post a dog in, you know, in Southern Illinois, someone else will repost it and then someone else will repost it and then they're like, oh, Jimmy's looking, he's in Chicago, he's looking for a dog and then there you go. So, um, and, and I, and I donate every month to different organizations all over the place and you know usually in small sums you know you'll sponsor a dog or you'll uh, you know whatever it might be or or i'll see um there's a few organizations that'll post specific dogs and instead of wanting actual money they just want uh you know like this dog needs this medicine and it costs this much money so you purchase the medicine you're like uh, pledging for that so that's you know that's a sizable part of my life yeah. Anyhow, let's talk about rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like getting depressed thinking about, you know, and that's the, I'm, I hate to swear, but, you know, even though I swear like a sailor, it's a fucked up part is uh, these dogs you see in shelters, you know, they're leaving in a trash bag. This yeah. is, it's not just like, you know, that's the cold, hard reality of it. And to be on that point, two thirds of the dogs in shelters across America are pit bull type dogs. So it's like, that's why, that's what I picked up on. It's sort of my way of focusing on the underdog and whatever else. So anyhow, that concludes my symposium on pit uh, bulls and rescue. <laughs> no, that was great. You know, I, I, I do appreciate that, you know, because I'm a dog lover myself. And this the, the Bernice I have, that was the first dog that I had that wasn't a rescue. And well, it was kind of yeah. it was kind of a rescue because you know th- this breeder didn't have people lined up to take the dogs, and I'll be like, all right, I'll take one, you know. So um, it was kind of a rescue before a rescue, but if that makes sense. And uh, yeah, but I, I've I had I've had rescues prior to that, and you know even you know it, we'll get off the subject here shortly, but even before COVID, I was going to start rescuing senior dogs, like seven years plus, you know, to try to give them a home That's and what- family, you know. Oh yeah, I mean that's my sort of end goal is is uh, you know sooner than later is to uh, get some property and have a, a se- just be able to take in seniors as sort of in hospice. Um, you know nothing nothing crazy, but you know I, I 
actually during this COVID lockdown, I've been just looking at property in, in Tennessee and, uh, you know, and then getting someplace with, you know, half an acre or an acre of land or whatever, and, and just building a few kennels and just, you know, being like, Hey, you know, if they've got nowhere to go and they're on borrowed time, just bring them here, you know? Yeah. That's so, awesome. That's, that's something I would, that's a, it's a bit of a pipe dream, but especially that now that I'm not able to work, but, uh, that's, that's my goal, you know? So, well, let's get Anyhow, into, yeah, like said, let's get into neon coven here. Um, yeah. Really enjoyed the music that I've heard so far from the latest EP. So how did this all come about? How did this band start? I mean, it seems like it's it's guys from from other bands and kind of all merging together and just putting out you know some things that they want to do and in and, and, and kind of a vision that all you guys have. Yeah, uh, I mean, it started as a joke. To be a hundred percent honest, it was uh, Jacob uh, Bunton. Myself and my singer, Anthony Montemano, we were all on the Monsters of Rock cruise about four years ago. And uh, one of the sort of the people in charge there or whatever, our friend April, uh, she's sort of the head of production. She was like, you know, you guys are the three young guys on the band in the on the boat from the from these bands. And uh, Anthony, my singer, was there teching for L.A. Guns with Phil at the time. And, uh, and then Jacob was there, I think just as a participant. And then I was there with faster pussycat and we joked that we should start us like a goth boy band. And so, um, and that's kind of how it started. We went to the rainbow when we got home and had dinner and, uh, that was kind of the extent of it. And then the thing, my singer, Anthony and Jacob, uh, who I mentioned earlier from Lynham and Adler and a few other bands, uh, got together and they cranked out the first EP, uh, risen. I think that came out in early 2017 maybe. And, uh, and then I played on some of that, didn't contribute a whole lot otherwise. And then we did a follow-up EP about 18 months later, just when everyone was sort of back around and we've played, you know, not very many times live. I mean, it's basically a studio project, but, uh, when we came together in the fall, roughly about a year ago, to start working on what became the album that just came out, uh, Future Postponed. Uh, it was, like I said, it was a very collaborative effort. You know, everyone brought in, you know, three or four songs or whatever, and we worked them out in Jacob's studio. And, you know, everyone brought in, like I said, a few few songs each. And, uh, and it was pretty eclectic, obviously. You know, like I said, you know, it, it wasn't that we were going, we're going to, like, you know, this is the ministry song or this is that. We weren't actively looking to rip off uh anything that wasn't that wasn't what i'm implying but it was more like there's definitely a song on the album that sounds like a typo negative song and then when i wrote uh dead to me i was like you know trying to describe the drums and like you know like make it sound like rob zombie you know like four on the floor you know so everything sort of had sort of a a a go-to uh niche not all of it but like even the uh, what is it? A world without you. There's no guitars on that song at all, you know. And so that was like, okay, that's, that's the Kaja Gugu song or whatever the hell we were comparing it to. Just, just sort of before anything had any uh, names or or whatever, you know, the song that goes, you know, the da 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 song, that one. And so um, it was interesting watching that come together, and uh, and then also, you know, leaving on a Tuesday and coming back over three days later and hearing something that was. Uh, you know, I left Jacob's 
studio and it sounded like a rough song, a rough demo. And then three days later, it's like a complete, you know, ready to go to radio track. So it was an interesting process, but you know, those guys, especially Jacob, I mean, he's a pro, he's a, you know, writes music for a living. So, um, the whole thing was a pretty interesting process. Very, uh, really uh, fulfilling, if you will, creatively speaking. You know, it was nice to participate in, in, in a writing of an album because it's been a minute. You know, I mean, I've written for people or with people or put out a single or put out an EP, but I don't remember the last time I put out a full-length album. It's been a minute. So, Was this done during the pandemic or was there, ha- you know, some of it done before, some of it done during? How did all that work out? Uh, I mean, most of it was done during the pandemic. I think we started getting together in February, but, uh, yeah, I would say probably 60, 40. Um, I, I, I can't really remember because we all live so close to each other that I can't remember if I walked over there and it was during COVID or if I walked over there and it was just another day. But, uh, I feel like the bulk of it was in March and April. So pretty much COVID related and then the album title is definitely uh, a nod to what's going on now with future postponed i mean that's how we all feel it's like everything's just on hold so it's an interesting time you know for music i mean you're you're releasing this this full-length album in what is a pandemic i mean not that you guys were going to tour and support it because it this there was not going to be a tour in support of this album because it's a side project for for you guys but developing music, you know, in, in order to keep yourselves busy, I mean, that had to mean something for you guys when you're writing and developing this because, you know, it's tough to remain creative when you're doing the same stuff in the same four walls all the time. Um, and that had to be some uh, a release for you and the rest of the band. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I can't speak for the other guys too much, but I, I definitely know putting out this album after all this time was definitely a, a nice creative little release. And then, you know, I mean, I've got, I'll go days sometimes without picking up a guitar, but for the most part, I mean, I've got a guitar in my hand. You know, if, if, if you and I were just on a call, just a regular call, I would probably have a guitar in my hand, you know? And so, um, you know, I, I'm, I would say 98% of the stuff I, I write or come up with never leaves my home because uh, there's nowhere for it to go. Um, you know, I sent over, uh, I think, two songs for to the LA Guns guys to see, you know, for as far as what's going to happen with the next record. And uh, and I've sent some stuff to a few people, uh, 69 Eyes, and and, you know, and people will bring me in to play on stuff or, or guests on an album or a co-write, like I mentioned, the Dane Alexander, that hip-hop track. And uh, uh, my friends in Baltimore have a band called the Relapse Symphony, uh, sort of younger, sort of like Black Veil Bride kind of band. And I, excuse me, they put out an EP earlier this year during quarantine. I played on that. So a lot of it, a lot of the time, it's just sort of, um, you know, it's weird how a lot of the music I've done, especially the last couple of years has been other people's music, whether it's, I'm just adding something to someone else's song or I'm recording a flat out cover. Uh, like the, uh, song I did with Tiffany was a cover. The song I did with relapse symphony was a cover. The song I did with six, nine eyes was a cover. The, the EP I did with LA guns in December was all covers. 
Uh, the song I did with Pastor Pussycat last month was a cover. I mean, it just keeps, I'm sure there's more. You know, so when uh, the, like, the Losing It song with Dane, the hip-hop track, which is an original piece, or the Neon Coven record, or a couple other things I've done that's original music, it's always a nice breath of, uh, breath of fresh air where it's something that's actually uh, unique or new or, or you know, original. So, um, you know, during this time, everybody's just trying to be creative in their own way. And I, like I've mentioned, I've thrown myself into the, you know, trying to keep my uh, Patreon fan base happy. And, and, uh, and, and I write all the time, although, like I said, none of it ever gets heard. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to be creative. And then also I do, I do a, a small amount of voiceover work as well. And I'm trying to get more involved in that. That's sort of like what I would like to be doing for the next half of my life, if you will, or whatever. And, um, so I've been trying to focus on that and, and pursue, you know, you know, like, Oh, come here and meet this guy for this lunch meeting. And he does the animated show and this, that, and the other thing. And I just did a video shoot on Friday, um, for an artist. I think I'm not supposed to say who, but it's the singer of basically the, one of the biggest heavy metal bands of all time and, uh, my household name. And, uh, I, in the video with this guy and one of the guys I was on a video shoot with, uh, that I did the scene with it also does animation. And so we were talking after the shoot and I was like, yeah, I sent them my voiceover demos or whatever you want to call it, like character stuff and animation stuff and commercial stuff. And he's like, yeah, I'm working on something that I probably won't be till next year, but I'd love to bring you in to do some voices. I'm like, yeah, please. So, you know, there's, I'm always trying to do something uh, creative beyond just, you know, being the guy in LA Guns or the guy in Faster Pussycat or the guy in whatever other band, you know. So, um, And even like our conversation before we started this, this, this uh, chat, you know, it's like there's always, trust me, there's always, a lot more going on just like anybody you know it's not just me but there's more facets to my life than like guy who plays guitar in band x you know no it's yeah i mean it, it is true i mean it's important to you know do different things diversify yourself um you know try to you know do different projects i mean the animation thing sounds really interesting the voiceover work is is awesome you know, I, I saw some stuff on your website prior to the interview about that, and I think that's really, really cool to try to do different things and kind of, you know, expand yourself and stretch yourself as a creative person. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like just trying to pursue all the things, you know. Someone was asking me last week if I wanted to get into acting, and I was like, absolutely the hell not. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with it. Uh, but, you know, the also thing with, doing voiceover work is it's called it's, it's called voice acting you know so there's a part of me that it, it has to be an actor sometimes i mean i've got a few things i provided voices for on netflix and uh, a few other things just uh, i'm a spokesperson for a like a retirement benefits company and like all kinds of random stuff so uh you know uh there's a little bit of acting involved there i guess but uh, you know i just trying to trying to get as much uh in you know with or without covid in my in my life on my palate or whatever uh as possible you know i mean the whole you know we're all just human beings and just trying to get as much experience out of this ride as i can you know ride it till the wheels fall off 
Well, it's also a product so. of what's happening in the music business too, right? I mean, you know, the days are gone where, you know, unless you're a, a, a big fish, you know, unless you're a big, huge band, you know, that can tour internationally and you've got advances and you've got different forms of revenue. I mean, you could, you could sit comfortably during these times and, but there's a lot of bands that yeah. aren't and you've got to diversify yourself. You got to have different projects and it's really, well, even, even without the I, pandemic, you know? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I've been doing, you know, consulting work with fellow musicians for freaking years. I can't tell you how many times somebody from a band has been like, Hey, I saw that you're doing this thing. Could you tell me more about that over a beer? You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, from that to helping pay me for two months, set up a Patreon that he just launched. You know, he was like, hey, I heard you're doing a Patreon. It's doing well. Like, how, how, can you help me do one for myself? And so, uh, you know, there's, I actually was supposed to give a, it's a moot point now, but pre-COVID, I was supposed to give a, I don't know you want to call it, like a, lecture seminar uh, a seminar here in town for a music school uh where i discuss uh branding and you know ways to uh you know I, of course my terminology is all off here but uh you know how to stay afloat as a self-employed musician besides just getting on stage and playing guitar you know like i said it's between branding and and merchandising opportunities and, and outlets like Patreon and Depop and Teespring and other things like these uh, that, I, you know, I've all, I've been utilizing for years now, which is how, uh, you know, I survive not working for a year in theory. You know, I mean, obviously I'm still working. I've done more session stuff as a player this year than I have in five, but uh, you know, there's other revenue streams coming in because if I solely relied on touring exclusively to survive i would be fucked right now you know and so uh i have no problem imparting that sort of uh knowledge to other musicians or friends or acquaintances or guys like myself uh you know joel hoaxer you mentioned earlier I mean, he's a much bigger fish than i am and, and infinitely more talented but uh you know guys like us in a sense are you know we're hired guns we're working musicians he's, he's not he didn't write those white snake songs i didn't write rip and tear you know so when you know axel rose is sitting at home collecting you know publishing check after publishing check and royalty after royalty it's the guys like you know whoever you want to name whether it's you know and i don't need to start mentioning people by name of course but like the 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 replacement drummer the replacement guitar player you know guys like myself we have to find other avenues and, and revenue streams and ways to, to make money and some people you know, I know guys that, you know, my age or younger or older, and they live with their folks, so they have a trust fund or, you know, a, a wife that's a, you know, an, an MD and bringing home six figures a year, whatever it is, you know, and I'm not judging that by any means, but there are other people that have those facets. I personally, as my own unique person, do not have those. Uh, you know, I live alone, uh, and I, I, I do whatever I do work-wise, and I pay my rent every month. And so... Uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have a really strong fan base and, and, and team and, uh, you know, worked with a lot of great people over the years, whether it's tour managers or management people or publicists. And, you know, I had a Zoom call with all of the L.A. Guns management team. God, was that yesterday? 
Sunday? Was that, yeah, that was yesterday. It feels like a week ago. And, you know, just talking business with all these, you know, this team of five people. And it's just, uh, you know, I mean, it is the music business, emphasis on business. And uh, having entrenched myself, this is my career now. And so, you know, I, we were talking about the, you know, sort of some other things earlier before the call. And it's like, you know, I've been a full-time working musician for over 10 years. I haven't had, I haven't had another job in 12 years. I haven't had to, you know, like, you know, I, 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 I survive and it's, and I even not to sit here and, you know, toot my own horn or S my own V, but like, you know, it's hard, man. It, this is a hard profession to survive in. It's, it's not for everybody. And that's why, you know, not to take it into a topic that doesn't need to be brought to, but like when I see people in these chat rooms or message boards, you know, and they're, they're talking shit, if you will, I go, man, you wouldn't last a month in my shoes. I laugh in your direction, please. It's cutthroat, man. You know, it's hard. And there's a million guys out there that would love to be in LA Guns or love to be in Fast Food Cat or love to do this or play on this, this album or that or been in this or done that or be friends with whoever or have their own table at, this, at the Rainbow, whatever it is. You know, and it didn't happen overnight. None of this did. I worked my ass off to get here and, and I try to be uh, humble about it. But at the same time, you know, a lot of my surroundings I'm very aware of. You know, so uh, whether I'm gloating or poo-pooing it, it's, it's, you know, I feel like I've earned the right to do either or, you know, like, you know, are you excited to go back on tour? I'm like, yeah, not really. Like, come on, you're not? I'm like, no, I've spent 20 years to get to this point. Now I just, I've earned the right to roll my eyes, you know, so. Yeah, I've had some uh, interesting conversations, you know, like, like you know, Joel Holkstra, we, you know, we mentioned again, I, I talked to Red Beach a few weeks ago. They're actually doing. Yeah like guitar lessons, you know, during this time. They've got yeah. like 30, 40 students that they're that they're teaching these master classes for and they've gotten really into that, which is really cool. Yeah. And uh exactly. You know, I mean Reb That's even mentioned kind of yeah. Reb mentioned that he was able to finally put you know finish his uh solo album that he's been working on for like fifteen years. You know, so That's it's That's great it's, to hear. Yeah. I, I am a huge Reb Beach fan on on all fronts. I love that guy. I think he's great. So that's encouraging to hear. But yeah, this is the thing. It's like everyone's trying to utilizing this time, whether it's a solo record or the Neon Coven thing. I mean, I've written stuff for myself too. I don't know if it'll ever come out, but neither here nor there. But, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, guitar lessons or whatever it is, I mean, it, it's great. But that, that's that whole adapt and survive mentality. And that's why, I mean, Reb is, is winger, but like he's also been a hired gun before, you know what I mean? Between whether it's Whitesnake or Alice Cooper, or I'm sure he's done a million other things. You know, these guys, the reason the reason that they are the way they are, who they are, because they've, you know, it's like a lot of this is, this is a dumb analogy, but it works. A lot of this is like these, uh, you know, these game show, uh, re, uh, what is it, like American Idol kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, there are a hundred thousand guitar players out there that can all, that can play infinitely better than me, or just as great as Rev, or better than this guy, or great, whatever. But, but, do they have? this or do they look this way or are they in the right place at the right time or do they know the guy who's the bass player the guy's ex-wife there's all these little hurdles and and doors that open and close you know otherwise everyone everybody be a fucking rock star you know it's it's getting you know i mean i i've made no qualms about it now because i'm a you know i'm gonna be 38 before the year's over you know i've been homeless several times i've put myself in positions 
you know, living in a Motel 6, you know, in fucking, you know, in Sun Valley because I had nowhere to go or living in my car. I was in my car twice. You know, it's, this is not, there's, there's people like, you know, like Joel and a, a lot, you know, a, a long, long list. And, and we refer to them as lifers. And I, I'm a lifer. A lot of guys aren't. And it's not for everybody. You'll meet guys that did a tour where they're in a band for two years and they, they, you know, they had enough. And it's hard. You know, I, I don't want to sit here and talk about, you know, you know, fillet myself. It's not about talent. Trust me. I, I'm lack. That's like the least thing I have. You know, anyone that's seen me play guitar, I'm, I'm a punk rocker. You know, I'm like, yeah, of course I can play the hell out of Walk Among Us and Sip Little Finger stuff on guitar all day long. But, you know, when someone's asking me to audition for some band where it's in tapping, I'm not going to name band names, but, you know, whether it's this band or that band, like stuff that you can't publicly announce, it's like, I can't play that, you know? And, and they just, they're like, well, you're in that band and you look cool. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's not all of it, you know? There's a lot more to it than that. But, you know, I'm, and we're circling back to like, I am proud. I'm proud of myself, you know, because no one else is going to be, you know, uh, you know, uh, and not to get all personal, but like, there's no, I have no parents. I have no wife. I have no, uh, you know, it's like I got an older sister, a niece, and an aunt, and my stepdad that I speak to occasionally. And I love them all very much, but there's nobody championing for me or paying my way or making sure. Uh, you know, my bills are paid, you know, I have to do all that for myself. So, you know, and then I tell the young people, which sounds so weird to say, I go, you know, if you really want to be, and this is pre COVID, of course, but you want to be committed to this. It's a life, it is a lifetime commitment. It's like this thing with the bandmates. It's, it's a marriage. I got married to this when I was 20. I did my first tour when I was still in high school. I joined my first national touring band. I dropped out of college at 19 because I, I had joined a band at a record deal and off I went. I was 18 years ago and I've never looked back, you know? And so, you know, and, and people, and, and a lot of it, I, I feel like I sound really arrogant and, and I, I'm acknowledging that, but like, you know, I've, I've been approached to write a book and all this shit, you know, where I'm like, I don't know, man, like a lot of it, I just want to keep to myself, you know, cause a lot of it's super humbling, like the conversations we had before and personal stuff and, you know, you get a girlfriend that tries to ruin your life or your friend kills himself or you're this or you're living in your car or whatever it is. You know, it's, it's not life in general isn't meant to be easy, you know, and then you add all the complications from, you know, doing what comes along with this. And it's just extrapolated. Well, on, yeah, on difficulty. Scale. No, I mean, I've even tried to, you know, inculcate that to my son who's 15, you know, like. You're going to fail more than you succeed. You're going to have more failures in life than you will have successes. And if you have more successes, Ab- God bless you, you know? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Ab- absolutely. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, the best thing from a failure is, is it's a, a learning lesson. And I have more, I have way more failures than, you know, anyone will ever know about it. It's probably a failure every day in my life. Trust me. And, you know, that's what comes along with any career. You know, I don't just mean like, uh, you know, you didn't have an opportunity. You ended up managing a restaurant or something like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But th- there's a difference between something like that that's got a little bit of a, let's just say, safe factor. And again, a lot of this is my examples are, are pre-COVID mentality. But if you are a banker, okay, and you went to school or you didn't or whatever, you ended up there, that's great. But there's job security there. That's like a normal job. 
like there's ins- health insurance and you show up and you work and you get a paycheck for what, you know, whether you're a stand-up comic or you're a painter or you're an author. I've been talking to a buddy of mine in the voiceover world. He's a, he's a writer and he's struggling, you know, and it's like these, these types of artistic outlets, a musician, a guitar player, a, you know, a professional pogo stick jumper, whatever the hell it is, there it's, it's going to be hard. It's not meant to be easy or everyone would fucking do it. Right. You know, trust me. And I, there, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been like, I'm done. I don't want to, I'm done. I'm done. You know? And then the phone rings and it's guys that you've heard of from band you've heard of. You're like, Hey man, do you want to come play on this album? And you're like, Oh, well, okay. You know? <laughs> and then you're re you get reinvigorated or you get a, a you know, that breathe some life into your, uh, mindset or career or whatever it is and you know i mean hell i'm still name dropping shit i did 10 years ago i'm still dropping you know like i played on a unreleased michael jackson session uh from a grammy winning producer that never came out and i still name drop that and it still gets me jobs you know and so you know i'll probably and of course it's not like the kind of thing that's gonna be written on my tombstone because it's not really that important but on my resume it definitely shines out stands out and so stuff like, you know, or I mentioned Murphy's Law. I was in Murphy's Law was 23, 20, 15 years ago. <laughs> like, why am I even talking about it? You know, but depending on the conversation or if it's, you know, applicable, you know, uh, it, it'll come up. And so, you know, I've had a, I feel like I mentioned earlier, I feel like I'm mourning my career now because of COVID. But like, I'm looking back and reflecting a lot and going like, yeah, you know, I did a lot of cool shit and it cost me a lot cost me more than i could ever even explain but that's just the the you know when i when when i'm on tour and i meet a guy like you know like yourself you're like oh this is my son he's 15 he's in a band he wants to do what you do give him words of encouragement i go stay in school man play play a band play in a band all you want do it but don't ever expect that you'll you know it's it's literally one in a million if not higher that you're going to end up in green day you know, hell, my, my friend from high school, Kevin, a guy I've known for 22 years, is in Green Day. You know what I mean? He's the auxiliary guitar player now. You know, I, and I'm so proud of him. But that's, you know, that job's taken, man. You know, so it's like, uh, it's hard. It's so hard. It's hard for me to be try to be encouraging, you know. And I, I what I tell people, like, oh, you should write and apply yourself and hustle, you know. But, uh the, the idea behind being a rock star, you know, I don't know if we'll have any more rock stars, you know, music industry is basically on pause and indefinitely, at least for the next probably 12 months. I saw, so, I saw a great interview with Dave Chappelle on inside the actor's studio, probably 10 plus years ago. And, yeah, and he, I love him by the way. Yeah, he's great. And in fact, he was the last person, last performance I saw in March. I drove up to Wisconsin. Me and my buddy saw him at the Paps theater in Milwaukee. Um, but he was, he was being interviewed and he was talking about a conversation he had with his father about the definition of success. And his father asked, yeah. asked him, you know, how would you define success? And he's like, Oh, I love doing this. And I'm paraphrasing, but I love doing this. Yeah. If, if I am able to support myself and make as much as like a teacher, then I'm successful. Right. I'm doing what I love. Yep. I'm earning, you know, to, to make a, enough to make a living. You know, I'm not I'm not yep. a big millionaire or live in a big house or whatever, but I'm doing what I love and I'm on stage doing comedy and 
you know, supporting myself. That's success to him. And I thought that was really an, a very interesting insight to a guy that has flown very close to the sun and continues to do that. And he's, you know, probably the most recognizable comedian right now in, in, in our society. And to have that humble, you know, to be that humble about it and to have that perspective is, is really, really unique. Well, I mean, he's right, you know, and, 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 and that's kind of it. And I, um, I mean, do I feel successful? No. <laughs> do people, do other people occasionally tell me that they think I'm successful? Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I would not define um, my life as successful. Now, I wouldn't define it as failure either. I think if I failed, I wouldn't be where I'm at. Um, is it because you're, you're constantly chasing, not chasing, but is it because you're constantly, you know, getting new things or, or you're constantly searching for new things? You mentioned voiceover, you know, all these things that you're interested in. Is that the reason why you think that maybe you're not a success is because you're, you're maybe, well, maybe it's I, habit for you. You got to keep looking for the next thing. Well, there, there's, it's a little bit of both. It's definitely the latter. And then also, you know, I mean, in my mind, I have my own vision of success and my own vision of success is definitely a specific thing. And I'm not there yet. So I would like to think as I'm getting closer or at least pre COVID was getting closer to reaching that goal. Uh, I might have been in the next 18 to 36 months been like, okay, I hit what I was looking for. Um, you know, whether we're talking about yearly income or, or, you know, for me, I very much, especially with the, the year that we've all had here, I, I very much want to leave Hollywood. I live right in the smack center of Hollywood. If anyone is, first of all, listening this far, God bless them. But second of all, anyone's ever been in Hollywood, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm in the hills technically, but I'm just north of the capital, the Capitol Records building. So I'm like right in the center of Hollywood. And I can't tell you, and I say that only because so many people are like, oh yeah, I live in Hollywood. I'm like, dude, you're in Riverside. You're 43 miles away. Shut the hell up. Mm-hmm. You live in Hollywood. I live in Hollywood. I'm I'm one block north of Hollywood and fine. Okay, that's Hollywood. So, um, and I've been proud of that for a long time. But with the year I've had and, and on so many levels, I am just so ready to give it up and get the hell out of here. And for what I pay for a one bedroom apartment here, uh, I could have a freaking castle, you know, in a hundred miles in any direction. So that part of it, where my head is at there. Uh, is my surroundings. I very much, you know, and, and when I came home from a three month tour and I'm here for six weeks, it's great. But now that I've been here for a full 12 month cycle, I'm, I'm clawing at the wall. So, um, to just, I, I want a yard, I want a yard and I want an office and I want a this and I want a like my kitchen is a joke. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, so I, I want, I want that. That would be where I would go. Oh, okay. Now I'm feeling successful. Um, but you know, everyone has their own definition of success. Like that Dave Mustaine interview in some kind of monster where he's like, you know, he's like, Oh, I consider myself a failure, but what, you know, everyone else would consider me a success. He's a millionaire. He's sold tens of millions of albums. He's telling people on camera, he thinks he's a failure. Give me a break. So, you know, I mean, I'm sure to somebody somewhere, I might be there. I'm I'm assuming here because I don't want to sound overly confident in myself or cocky or whatever, but I'm sure somebody out there somewhere would consider my career or my trajectory or the things I've accomplished a success. But to me, like I said, it's just, I, you know, I went from here to this, to this, to this, 
and, and it's not um, it's not like uh, I woke up one day and was in Iron Maiden. You know what I mean? Where I didn't wake up and join LA Guns. It wasn't just some overnight action. You know, it was one gig snowballed to another gig and that trickled to another thing. And then I met this drummer guy and he brought me in for this. And, and then that, that whole story arc is 15 years, you know? So, uh, you know, talking about like writing it in a paragraph form and summer summarizing a lot of it, I go, Oh, it looks pretty, that looks pretty good. You know, but you know, you're also missing, I'm not putting in those parts where I'm borrowing a hundred dollars or, you know, uh, you know, sleeping in my car at 23 or, you know, living off of top ramen for a month because I didn't make enough on that last tour or whatever. I'm making this up now, but like whatever it is. So, you know, and nobody, it's like social media. Nobody's posting their, their shitty parts of their life. They're posting, they're like, oh, my Hawaiian vacation, the highlights, the highlights reel of everybody's life looks, looks great. You know, and so, and I'm a really pragmatic person. I'm not, I'm definitely not Captain Optimism. I'm sure this podcast has shown that. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm just one human being and I'm just trying to do the best I can with what I have. And, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm trying to make it huge and, uh, <laughs> you know, trying to just, I, I'm trying a lot of it like lead by example and I try to not be a bad person and I try to not do, you know, like, I mean, here's a good case in point. I did not join LA Guns earlier because I was trying to be respectful of someone that they had fired. So, uh, and in hindsight, that guy can kiss my ass. But uh, I was doing that because I was trying to be respectful. And I, it was like, I'm not going to replace someone that I'm acquainted with. That's, that's, that's rude. So um, that was a personal decision. And so, but trust me, there are plenty of people out there, even in my 10 years with Bachelor Pussycat, even though I'm not an active member of the band anymore, I'm still recording. I've been at Haney's house every week for the last six months. You know what I mean? But uh, I'm still not an active touring member of the band anymore after nine and a half years. I had to step down. But even when I was in the band, people would be messaging with social media like, Jamie, you should fire that ace guy and get this, fire this, you know, whatever they play. Fire Chad and get me to play drums. It's like, man, no one's ever gotten a gig like that. That's just an asshole move, you know, but there are people out there that just have no tact or, or don't, or, you know, like I said, it's cutthroat and, and someone might be like, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you should fire the loudest and hire this guy on social media. You never know. So it, you know, uh, and I'm always trying to look for the next thing, whether it's, you know, a t-shirt line or, you know, which I tried and, Whatever else, you know. So, yeah. I don't know. I feel like I've sort of gone in circles here. But I'm just trying to do the best I can here with what I got. And, uh, and you know, I don't want to sound like I'm too discouraging either, you know. I think everyone should be in a band. I really do. I think everyone should be in a band. I think everyone should really play an instrument. You know, with the hand-eye coordination and there's so much math involved when you, I mean, especially when you're talking about guitars and music theory and stuff like that. And it's great. It's a great outlet. I mean, that's why I picked up the guitar as a, as a tween, you know, was, I, I was looking for an outlet. I was like, I'm either going to cut myself or I'm going to play a guitar. You know, it was like, what, what's the healthier option here as a 12 year old child. And 
suffering from depression and, you know, parental strife and all the normal things that kids go through. I think it's great. I think every kid should have an instrument in the house. But I think that mindset of trying to make it or trying to be a rock star or, or trying to even make it your career choice. I didn't choose this as a career. I just sort of happened, you know, and I had to have a few odd jobs in between. And, and I just managed to luck out in my, you know, mid 20s, 24, whatever, where I became my career. So, but again, it's, it's I'm a, you know, even a broken clock's right, right twice a day. It's just pretty few and far between to end up in that position where, you know, like I own a car and I have, you know, whatever money in my bank account and a, a record collection and, you know, a ton of guitars and whatever the hell else. I'm very lucky. I don't know if that's success. I don't define that as success. You know, I, I think for me personally, success is, is a mindset and a lot of it stems from happiness. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's your, it's everybody's unique definition. This has turned into a fucking Ted talk, hasn't it? Uh, everyone's <laughs> unique version of success is their own, is their own mental definition. That's up. That's not up to me to tell you that you're successful, you know, for your own sake, you know, I mean, or, or like I, for me, I would say, cause just cause Nancy's coming up. I think Joel, Joel Hoekstra is very successful. I don't know what he makes annually. And it's none of my fucking business. But uh, I would say on paper, he is a successful uh, hired gun, you know, musician, guitar player guy, you know, and he could live with his parents. I don't know, you know, uh, or, or have a hundred grand in debt. I don't know. I don't know. You know, so a lot of it, it, again, it's like, you know, what you put out there and social media and the sort of image you portray. And then I try to kind of walk a tight line with that with like, you know, like, there's no, I have no qualms about what sort of life I live, you know? And, uh, you know, it's interesting being on the road. People do it. So what kind of car do you have? You got a Maserati or Ferrari? I'm like, what are you crazy? I have a Honda Accord, you know? So, um, you know, it is, know. you know, I often said about social media, everyone is always asking like, you know, why is there, you know, an increase in mental health issues across the country and depression and all this stuff. And I said, because people are comparing each other to what they see on social media. People are using that Absolutely. as a marker of what their life is about. And like you said, everybody posts the pictures of the good times, the, the great moments. No one posts the picture of you know, the arguments or the fights in the, in the house or whatever, you know, it is. So people have this, this belief that everyone is perfect, but their life is shit. And yeah, you know, well, and, and that's and what that, people do. You know, they, they, they compare. Well, yeah. And that's one of the main reasons, one of the many reasons why social media is toxic. And trust me, if, if I was pardon the pun here, if I was successful enough to not have to either be on social media or do like a lot of my friends that are sort of ironically more successful than I am and brought in someone else to run their social media so they can just wash their hands of it. Trust me, I would. Uh, I'm not really a big fan of it. I think a lot of it is just absolute fantasy and uh, you get these influencers or social media models and I'm not going to dig too deep into that topic, but you get these people where they're portraying something and it's all a farce. It's all fake. Yeah. You know, and it's like you can go do all the photo shoots you want all day long, but it doesn't detract from the fact that you're still not, you know, you're still living with your parents or whatever it is, whatever it is. Nothing wrong with living your parents, by the way. But, um, you know, it's like, you know, what, because someone 
paying you to model their jewelry or whatever. I mean, that's great. If you can do it, great. I'm not chastising that. But I mean, that's not reality. That's not real. You know, that's just photos. You know, it's like some of the stuff I put up where it's like, yeah, look how cool I look in this photo, but I'm going to go home and put on pajamas and pick up dog shit. You know what I mean? So, I I don't know. I took my son to see the rank of tours, not this past summer, in 2019. And they had a thing where you had to put your cell phone in like a pouch and lock, you know, and lock it up. And Prior to that, I was one of those guys that would take pictures and do all that stuff. And and I'm, I'm watching this show, you know, the Rank of Tears, Jack White, Brendan Benson, great band. And I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And I realized at that moment, it's because I was there. I was there physically and I was there mentally. I wasn't trying to show people what I'm doing. And Yeah, you, you were living in the moment. Right. And since then, I've had so much more enjoyment out of going to concerts, you know, because it's like, it's like I was when I was a young kid, like, you know, we didn't have cell phone or, you know, video back then or whatever you lived in the moment and you told your friends about it. And then that was it. It was just a memory. And there's something to be said. Yeah. There's something to be said about having a memory versus a, a diary of what you did, a, a, a living, breathing physical diary that shows you what you did. I've made it a point. I would say over the last five years, adamantly, where I go to a show, and it's most of the time I don't care. But for example, I went to see the Eagles. I went to see the Misfits. I went to see the Dance. I went to see my some of my favorite bands, whatever genre it is. Right? I will pull out my phone and I will take one, three, five photos. Right? I might get a quick little ten second video, and then I put my phone away. I go, look, I got my little social media for tomorrow for my stories post. Check it out. I went, or I can sit. Hey, my sister, I went and saw The Damned, and they were great. Or, hey, here's 30 seconds of that song that my best friend likes. The rest of the time, I want to be at the show. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be checking my stock portfolio or tweeting. You know what I mean? Like, I can do that any other time. So I sort of have tried to implement that sort of mindset for myself on my own. And I wish more people would. And I, I remember when I went and saw, because I've seen them a few times now in this whole reunion thing with the Misfits, when they played in L.A., and everyone had to do the phone pouch and all my friends were bitching and moaning. And I was like, I think it's great, you know? And then I saw them a few other times because I traveled to see them and uh, some of the other cities didn't have that. And I was like, Oh, I could, I could choose to do this, but I'm not going to, you know, like I was reviewing some photos from uh, a show. I went, uh, Ricky Rackman and myself went to see the misfits in Philly, uh, about a year ago. I took him to that. Um, and, uh, and I took one. I took one thirty-second video and about five photos, and that was it. That's the time I was watching the show, you know. So I don't know. I think more people should live with that sort of mindset. And but I'm not, you know, it's not my job to tell people how to live their lives. Sure. But yeah, yeah. Judging judging your daily successes or whatever it might be in any field, and you know, boy, girl, child, adult, whatever, by what you see from other people's social media is absurd, you know. And I don't give a shit about any of that. I try not to, you know, or. Or the flip side of it, people like, oh, this is so-and-so. This person has 150,000 followers on Instagram. And I'm like, and? You know, like, oh, I'm supposed to be, that's supposed to impress me? Yeah. You know, like, that's great that you have that. But, like, that's that's what, that doesn't mean you're a good person or that you're talented. You know, it's all, it's all very surface. 
and and I and none of that really means anything to me. And that's why I I'm not a people person. I'm really not, and that's why I would rather, you know, when I do, you know, my charitable stuff every year, it's mostly animal related because I don't feel any remorse on that. I don't, you know, I'm not wondering if I'm supporting someone's drug habit, you know, or whatever it is, you know, and that's just, a, that's a very personal thing for me. But, uh, you know, that's sort of why I go back to the dog thing. It's like, you know, I would much rather hang out. I would much rather sit on my couch and watch a movie and read a book or read a book with my dog than uh, sit at a coffee house with a bunch of acquaintances and wonder, you know, what they're saying about me when I leave, you know? As we wrap up, one uh, yeah. final matter, one final question. What's going on with LA Guns? When can we expect stuff coming out of that camp? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I just got an email during this call uh, from management about something I, that needs my attention when we get off the call. But uh, we're doing a, the we're doing cocked and loaded cover to cover at the end of the month as a as a live stream. Uh, through Veeps, V-E-E-P-S. Uh, so that's going to be, I think that's on sale already. So cocked and loaded. And we put out a single a few months ago, Let You Down. Which is awesome. And thank you. And then, you know, there's the Steve Riley drama and all that. And I'm going to avoid that topic. But uh, we're kind of letting that run its course. And uh, I would imagine we'll sort of reconvene to work on what might be the next record after the holidays. But truthfully, I don't. I don't really know. I know Tracy's been busy; just had a baby in February, and so and it's COVID. So it's like everybody's kind of doing their own thing, you know. Uh, my drummer's been traveling. Scott Coogan's been traveling a lot with his, his his girlfriend, and Tracy's been doing, you know, dad stuff, and and Phil's done a couple acoustic shows. Everyone's just kind of doing their own thing, you know. So uh, there's no real definitive plan for much other than right now we're just sort of focusing on the the live stream uh, at the end of the month for cocked and loaded uh anniversary and whatever else and beyond that uh your guess is, is probably as good as mine but i would imagine we'll do a record next year and then kind of go from there i know you can't really talk about it but i will offer my opinion on the whole steve riley drama that's fucking bullshit sure. you know that that yeah, is it's absolutely bullshit. you know i mean as an la guns fan a kid that rode my bike with my paper route money when I was a kid to buy the first LA guns album and having that connection with that band since as long as I can remember, you know, to have this whole situation and just, it's just fucking bullshit. It's just absolutely. I think, well, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not really allowed to comment on it too much, but what I will say and, and, and whatever happens, happens. I think if people publicly knew what we know behind closed doors, I think everyone would, would, would put that thing to bed. And there's, there's something to be said about people who do, who, and it's a lot of the ties in the previous conversation, people who do things simply out of spite, uh, or simply as a cash grab or simply without any, um, any genuine, gen, uh, gen, that's what I'm looking for here. Uh, genuine cause behind it. Uh, you know, it, it shows. And, uh, and, and, you know, you when you get a band like, Quiet Riot, where now technically they're still continuing after Frankie's past, and and I and I love Frankie Benali very much, and uh, just as a friend, I don't even want to talk about it as a drummer because he was a monster, badass drummer, and uh, and I got the pleasure of being on stage with him a few times. My point is, 
if you've got a band that's continuing with just one guy or this guy or some of the replacement guys, that's one thing. But it's another thing to start up from scratch. You know, it's it's like if Steven Adler started trying to call Adler's Appetite Guns N' Roses. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's that. It's like, sure, go out and play as Adler's Appetite, but call it what it is. You know, call it what it is. It's like we were we were like, why doesn't, and I, you know, I can only say so much, why doesn't this person go out and call it the gun show or do this or whatever? You know, it's like, well, the fact of the matter, it. yeah, the, the fact of the matter remains, and, and I know you can't really comment, but I will because I'm a huge LA yeah. Guns fan. The fact of the matter yeah. is, is that with the state of rock music being what it is, if yeah. the person behind, you know, as my friend Crash Crafton calls it, LA Gums, um, <laughs> he, the person behind it, if, if he were to start his own band, just calling it something else, you know, call it whatever it is, because the rock, you know, industry is what it is the rock genre, the you know, rock music, the way it is right now, he wouldn't be able to yeah. earn the income that he would be able to do if he calls it what he's calling it. And that's really, I mean, you could call it laziness, you can call it vindictiveness, you can call it whatever spitefulness. That's really yeah. what it is. He's he's it's a money grab because. L.A. Guns has had two successful albums, the last two releases that you guys have had, have had a resurgence, yeah. and yeah. He, he sees that, oh, how can I piggyback off of that? And this is what he's doing, and Correct. that is the truth. Yes, yes. And there was a lot of, um, trying to choose my wording wisely here, there was a lot of uh, actions on that, from that uh, group of people that were very misleading, intentionally um you know whether it was using people's names or using people's pictures uh and because it's now it's no secret that it's become like a legal thing and we have a lawsuit or whatever it is i don't even know if that's the right term but it's, it's all over blabbermouth thing when gives us enough of a shit uh it, you know it, it now they're advertising it as like it's called la guns with these people in it and even i think that is a stretch but to me i would have i think if it was me personally I mean like dude was in Wasp for a long time he's not touring as Wasp you know Um, I would call it it's like a lot of it's like I don't want to implicate myself here no you Uh, you don't have to to comment anymore it's like you know if if 10 years from now I was going to put a band together and play music from like now, keep in mind, I've been in LA Guns for over two, for just over two years, but I've also been in Fast Footscat for ten years. That's a long time, right? And so, if I was to put a band together, I wouldn't call it one of those bands. I would call it something else, even if I was to play music from one band or the other or both. And I think that would be the respectful way to go about it and be like, "Look, I want to play. I want to play these songs, sure, but like, you know, it's uh, 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 Bill Wyman isn't starting the." another Rolling Stone, you know what I mean? Whether, you know, he's in that band or not, you know, there's still Keith and Mick as the Rolling Stones, and that's what you're looking at. And nobody nobody wants to go see Bill Wyman and a cover singer do those songs. They might as a jam, but to try to call it the Rolling Stones, yeah. that's a little offensive. Yeah, And of course, that's a huge, huge, huge comparison. But... Uh, analogy wise, that's the way I look at it, you know. 
And it's the same thing with, with my buddy, Steven, who I love to death. Adler. He's not calling his band Guns N' Roses. You know, it's called it something else. And people know what they're getting, right. but it's called something else. So I look at it like that, and I and I appreciate the kind words, and you know, and I have to speak partly as now a representative of that business, but then also as a fan. But then keep in mind, I'm also a, I'm friends with these guys. I've known Tracy and Phil for ten years. These are my buddies. So even before I joined the band, my opinion is a hundred percent the same. You know, so resolved in a in a in a, in a respectful and and right way and. And, the, you know, I think most of the fans, I'd hope, would know what they're getting if they buy the other, the, you know, the Pepsi Light versus Classic Coke. And, uh, you know, whatever, man. You know, I'm just here to, I'm here fulfilling a role. You know, it's not my band. I mean, even though I've, you know, I'm in the band, you know, those aren't my songs. I didn't write those songs. So I got to look at it, you know, like I said, as a, as a, a middle. Uh, 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 what is it like a a neutral party almost? But again, still my opinion doesn't change. Right. So anyhow, let's then, let's 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 wrap that up. But, yeah. Yeah. New but, LA Guns hopefully next year, and uh, you know hopefully the people that are aware are aware, and if they're not, I hope they aren't being duped. And uh, you know, I I wish everybody well. I don't. It's not like you know I'm not trying to cause a stink I, I genuinely genuinely don't care you know so uh i know people that do and i know from a legal standpoint and a business wise we we collectively do but you know if you're just asking me personally you know whatever have fun you know <laughs> the singer's terrible uh bad i don't know if you've seen the performances but i have and they're not good i yeah so, i know. heard the first single I, I gave myself like a minute to listen to it and yeah it was like this has this sounds nothing like LA guns at all. It doesn't. Yeah. And I mean, watching the video, the guy performed those classic songs when Phil is still, and Tracy are still an active band. You know, it's like, come on, man. Well, Ace, I don't know. It's been a blast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, man. This super, was great. Therapeutic here on my end. This is the most I've talked to anybody in ages aside from, you know, personal drama. Well, I'll invoice. But, uh, I'll invoice you for the therapy session. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. No, but it was awesome. Yeah, well, if anybody, if anybody made it this far through the through the, the, the chat, I, I commend you because I think we're wrapping up on two hours here. So, so yeah. it's a lot, a lot of a lot of me. Well, no, I appreciate the time. I appreciate the conversation. It was great. Go ahead and tell everybody where they yeah. can get Neon Coven or Coven, and uh, you know, future postponed. Uh, just social media at Neon Coven. Um, I think we have a dot com, but I honestly don't know. Uh, you know, uh, there's an Indiegogo uh, dot com campaign. So if you go to Indiegogo dot com and just search Neon Coven, that'll come up. You know, I mean, it's the internet 2020. Just like type it in your smartphone, it'll come up. And uh, new records out on all streaming platforms. Future postponed. Uh. You know, and I'm sure I got a bunch of other stuff. Check out the uh, Dane Alexander. That's Dane with a Y D A Y M E Alexander. Uh, losing it song. I really dug what we did there. It is a hip hop track, so uh, it, it, there's rock elements, of course, and the guitar solo I did is really fun. And uh, man, so many things I don't even know. If you need a voiceover guy, if you haven't had enough of my voice, uh, I do do that freelance. So you can find me at acebonjohnson.com. 
uh, all my merchandising and Patreon and T-shirts and whatever else, my voiceover resume and demo reels are all accessible from acevonjohnson.com. So if you need me, that's your one-stop shop uh, at acevonjohnson, Twitter and Instagram, although I, I really don't do Instagram very much. I deleted my Facebook, so don't look for me there. And, uh, and that's it. Otherwise, send me a smoke signal. Awesome. Well, Ace, thank you very much for doing the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Thanks for having me. Didn't expect to go so long, but yeah. The, no, it it got me in a couple rants there. No, it was great. It was great. Once again, everybody, I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Media Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We will talk again soon. Thank you. the American dream, the big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship. The studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.